Welcome to Unbossed. And you know what today is? It's Monday. So that means it is Jessica Burbank Monday. Jessica, how are you doing today? Monday's the best day of the week because I get Amen to do to that. And what's going on over at Rebel HQ? Anything you want to share with us? Yeah, look out for some more videos covering what's been going on in Los Angeles with Kevin DeLeon and Jason Reedy. Oh, my, my, my. All right, well, you guys <laughs> don't want to miss that. Tune in to Rebel HQ. And so today, Jessica and I will be talking about the massive defense budget. It just continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. But meanwhile, domestically, they cannot, they being this Congress, cannot find a bipartisan way to lift children out of poverty or to help their families that have universal health care, et cetera, et cetera. You know where I'm going with that. And a new WTF neoliberal. I know you're surprised and shocked, but we got a new one this time, so stay tuned. And finally, Starbucks workers across the country held walkouts all, all during the weekend, this past weekend, power to the workers. And don't forget to subscribe, to share the stream, and send some love in the comments. So we are about to get this party started. A congressional priorities, and you know what they prioritize the most? You guessed it, the defense bill. The House has passed the defense bill, watch this. On this vote, the yeas are 350. The nays are 80, two-thirds being in the affirmative. The rules are suspended and the resolution is agreed to. And without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. Here you have it, 350 to 80, 88. Yeah, they did that. And all of the votes are needed, they're there. They won that vote and the bill goes off to the president. Now this legislation, continues to increase the military budget, the Pentagon spending. This has happened under every recent president. The, the spending just goes up, up and up. No matter what they ask for in the budget, they continue to get more money than what they asked for. And so this bill was definitely bipartisan. Republicans joined Democrats to make this happen. Let us not forget that Democrats are still very much in control of both chambers of the Congress and they're also in control of the presidency. So this, this one right here cannot be blamed on the Republicans. And let us show you how that money might be spent. So we're gonna put up these this graphic, $858 billion of defense spending. 10 billion in security aid for Taiwan, 800 million for Ukraine, 211 billion for personnel and health. That is a good expenditure. 19 billion for military construction, 30 billion for defense related nuclear programs, 6 billion for the European Deterrence Initiative, and 4.6% raise in service member salaries. And they deserve those raises. Now we show you this next graph often because we want you to remember how much money we spend in the United States of America compared to our other sisters and brothers, family and friends and also frenemies in the rest of the world. And the United States spends more on defense than the next six countries combined, underscored, underlined it, exclamation point, message in a bottle. I want you to, to understand what we're saying here more money than those countries combined. Not one or two countries on the side, but each and every one of those countries combined, we spend more money. 
and the spending just keeps increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. And meanwhile, on the domestic front, quality of life is decreasing and decreasing and decreasing. This stuff really makes no sense to me, but this is what the Congress has just done. And we should be spending that money and expanding opportunities right here on the home front since, in fact, we're spending more money than the next nine, count them, nine countries combined. It's really a shame. But of course, when we look at some of the domestic spending, like the child tax credit, we do have folks standing in the way of that, of expanding that child tax credit, restoring that child tax credit. And most of the people who are standing in the way are in fact Republicans, helped by the shadow president himself, Joe Manchin. So the GOP is refusing to even consider proposals to revive the child tax credit expansion that lifted millions of kids out of poverty or millions of kids out of poverty last year, even though bringing the program back would cost a fraction of the Pentagon outlay. Leading Republicans readily confirm their refusal to consider the CTC boost as part of the end of the year tax package. So let me get this straight. I know each and every one of them have children in their district. And I know each and every one of them have families in their districts that are struggling, but they just don't care. Because if you look, if you really want to know what elected officials care about, all you got to do is follow the money. Follow this $858 billion, follow it. Follow the yellow brick road, baby, it's crystal clear. And let me remind you of the benefits of the child tax credit. Not that we should have to, but we're gonna do it anyway. The 2021 program, which expanded the existing CTC to include the poorest families and sent out payments of up to $3,600 per child in monthly increments spurred a historic drop in the obscenely high US child poverty rate before it expired at the end of last year, thanks to shadow president himself, Senator Joe Manchin and the GOP's opposition to extending the benefit. Jessica, I will never understand this. Nobody will ever get me to understand it. It it absolutely makes no sense. And not only, this is not just about Senator Joe Manchin, although we're highlighting him above the other folks. But why are folks ain't raising hell in that Congress? Why Why aren't they running in the streets? Why aren't they calling on their constituents to be at the Capitol on a regular basis to cry bloody murder? And I mean that over allowing or catapulting children and their families back into poverty. Yeah, it's the classic money for wars but can't feed the poor. This is you know, exactly how business as usual goes in the United States of America because we tell people or the government rather tells people that there's something more complicated going on than just we've decided to allocate money in a way that's antithetical to you living a good and healthy life. The Pentagon just failed. It's fifth audit. The US military is the only agency to never pass an audit. Of the 27 areas that they spend money on, only seven of them had a good financial bill of health and they could account for where those dollars went. And what is our solution to give them more money, $858 billion? When instead, Congress could vote 
to fund many other things, the child tax credit, a transition to renewable energy, universal health care, things that would actually increase our productive capacity and produce more things of value for our country. Instead, we're investing in things that are terribly destructive, not only for the country and the people we're sending abroad, but for other countries around the world that the US military goes on to destabilize. And so when we think about who we're voting for, we need to understand we're voting for people who have the power to control where new money goes. And this whole pay for game. When it comes to things that benefit working people, we always ask, how are you going to pay for it? How are you going to fund it? That question is never asked when it comes to defense spending. Never asked, and they always find a bipartisan way to increase that budget. And it is obscene. There is no other way to describe it. And this is not about support for the service men and women and people. This is not what this is about. Because if they really cared about the service men, and women and people, they would increase their salaries more than 4.6%. If they cared about the service in women and people, they would not allow the scourge known as veterans being homeless. So let's not get this twisted. Don't fall for the okie doke, the literal term. Do not fall for it. They do not care about the people serving in the military. All they care about is enhancing Raytheon and other of the military contractors who have them under their under their spell. It's called owner donors. And at the expense of war, I mean, who in the heaven wants another war? We cannot, war, WW3, can't even imagine it. Because the type of technology that we have today compared to WW1 or WW2, it is called annihilation, baby. So why wouldn't we spend more money on the domestic front? Why wouldn't we spend more of that money to edify and to lift? But oh no, oh no, that's way too much to ask. So this bipartisanship nonsense, it really drives me. Let's put up this headline, child tax credit lifted 3 million kids out of poverty in July. So what this Congress is saying, and this president too, by extent, because they increased his budget, they're saying they really don't care that those 3 million children are being catapulted back into poverty, which means that their families are living in poverty too. Because another thing that I don't understand, we lift, when you lift the children, you lift in the families. And the children are not separate from the families. The children are suffering because their families are suffering. The children are suffering because their mothers and their fathers are suffering. Their communities are suffering. But do these people care? No, they don't care. They're going on break. They're going on Christmas break. They're going to wish folks all, all kinds of Merry Christmas and all the other holidays combined. They are pretenders. By comparison, the House and Senate voted this month to increase US military spending by $90 billion over. And the Progressive Caucus put out this statement, the expanded child tax credit reduced child poverty by more than 40%. It cut child hunger by a third. Working class families need this relief now, and they do. And Congress has a chance to bring it back before the end of the year. Progressives will keep fighting to get this done. This is coming from the Congressional Progressive Caucus. I hope they do continue to fight to get this done, but they need to deploy some other efforts and not just putting out statements. Somebody's hair should be on fire right about now. But will they get this done? It's not looking great, it's just not. The reaction on Twitter echoes the need for expanding child tax credit. Let's put up one of our favorites, and that is Dr. Robert Reich. And he tweeted 12 billion, the cost of expanding the child tax credit to 19 million children who had not been able to receive the full benefits. $858 billion, the cost of the latest defense bill we can afford. Underline it, 
bolded exclamation point message in the bottom. All right, what the secretary, the former labor secretary said, we can afford to restore the expanded child tax credit. Do it before the end of the year. It's just that simple. This ain't complicated. This is definitely not rocket science. Just do it. And the leader of the Progressive Caucus put it this way on her Twitter. The defense budget is $87 billion more than 2021. With that kind of money, we could cut child poverty with an expanded child tax credit, make housing more affordable by expanding vouchers, uplift working families with the earned income tax credit. All of those things that she laid out that she enumerated are absolutely true. I just wish that the Congressional Progressive Caucus would do battle in a deeper or vibrant way instead of putting out these statements. And finally, the National Priorities Project Director called it out. And this is what the director had to say, Director Lindsay. This isn't using our tax dollars wisely. It's robbing programs that we need like the discontinued child tax credit expansion that cut child poverty by half. The only winners here are the military contractors who commandeer roughly half of the Pentagon's budget in, in any given year. You better lay that out, Director. That's who the winners are and the people are the losers. We're gonna continue to push on this and hopefully we'll get some progressive caucus members who'll be running in the streets, crying bloody murder over what is happening. Or maybe won't they flex their power and stop some stuff like the shadow president does. Why should he get to have all the fun? Congressional Progressive Caucus, we see you, you gotta do a little more. Lifting embargo could save lives. On February 7th, 1962, during the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis, President John F. Kennedy imposed a full embargo on Cuba that prohibited all trade. Turns out that this decision from 60 years ago has ramifications to this day. Check out this headline, Americans could beat lung cancer. If US lifted blockade of Cuba. Now let me get this straight. They'd rather keep the blockade on, on Cuba rather than collaborating with them to beat lung cancer. Makes all the sense in the world to me. Here is some more context. Medical researchers in Cuba developed a vaccine called Simavax to improve treatment for lung cancer patients. Simavax is a nuclear therapy that harnesses the body's immune system to fight lung cancer. In 2018, Simavax became the first Cuban biopharmaceutical product to earn the US drug regulators permission to carry out limited clinical trials on American soil. This partnership was announced soon after the Obama administration began lifting sanctions on Cuba and normalizing relations. Unfortunately, and we do mean unfortunately, since then, the Trump administration has reversed the Obama era policy towards Cuba and again imposed strict sanctions on the country. As a result, trade and scientific collaboration are as limited as ever. And the Simavax is not available to the public in the US due to blockade restrictions. And things really have not gotten any better under the Biden administration. I mean, we don't have to continue the course of the Trump administration because we have a new president. And that president can go back to the Obama era way of doing things or even enhance that even more and do a new thing with Cuba in the 21st century. How about that? Despite a unifying message in the battle against cancer, in practice, 
The Biden administration maintains economic warfare on Cuba that prevents Americans from accessing treatments in Cuba. Jessica, I find this too very outrageous. And to me, it doesn't matter what the president, who the president is and what their political affiliation is, this is outrageous. Yeah, it's absolutely absurd. It reminds me of a kind of an interesting story when it comes to how the United States deals with other nations, especially in the context of the Cold War. So there's this story of, of someone going to Russia and, and trying their cheese and saying like, oh, you guys have a bunch of different cheeses that you import from different places. Then when the US you know, and the EU sanctioned Russia, suddenly they didn't have any cheese. And so a few years later, they started creating their own cheese and it was better than the European cheese. And it's this idea that by sanctioning another country, you can make them self-sufficient and find other ways to not rely on you anymore. Things work out a little bit better when we realize that there are different strengths in different regions of the world when it comes to what they offer the global economy. We depend on each other for certain products and certain things like the Amazon rainforest for keeping our air clean and reducing carbon emissions in the atmosphere. So we very much would not like nations like Brazil to cut down the rainforest so that they can grow cattle. But when we sanction other nations, we kind of disrupt this flow of materials from one place to another. And similar things happen in Cuba, but for some reason we have this perception that we're the United States and of course the other nation will be harmed so much more than us. We actually have a lot to learn from other nations and a lot to benefit from when we trade with them and do so fairly. And the fact that we've cut off relations with Cuba has actually hurt us more than it has the Cubans. Yeah, it really has. There is an ecosystem that has a delicate balance, whether we're talking about the ecosystem of nature or the ecosystem of how we deal with one another. And it is disrupted right now. And yes, we are bearing the brunt of that. And with all of this in mind, here are some numbers on cancer related deaths here in the United States 2022 alone. Let's put up this graphic, cancer related deaths in the US in 2022. Lung and bronchitis, got that 21% colon and rectum, 9% pancreatitis, pancreatitis, 8% breast, 7%. So we see those numbers in the 1000, 130,000 and on and on and on. This is again, it's a, it's a stain. It is an abomination on this nation to do that, to, to, to deprive family, the people who love them of cures for any disease is the wrong way to go. And it's also worth noting that Cuba is ahead of the United States of America when it comes to health outcomes. Life expectancy in Cuba is three years higher than in the US at 78.8 years compared to 76.1 years in the United States. Cuba also leads the world with the lowest patient to doctor ratio, 155 to 1, while the US trails far behind at 396 to 1. So not only do we have a sick care system, the ratio between patient and doctor is not as good as Cuba, even though we thumb our noses down at Cuba, like somehow we're better than them. And guess what? We are not. And in case you're wondering, yeah. Cuba has universal health care. How about that? You know what I want you to do, underline the bolded underscore, exclamation point, message in the bottle on the train, better and universal health care. And both the Cuban government and the United Nations have estimated that the embargo has cost the Cuban economy $130 billion over six decades. It's also worth noting that the US Chamber of Commerce estimates that the embargo costs the US economy billions of dollars 
each year as well. So not only is this bad for the ecosystem that Jessica and I have been talking about, both the physical ecosystem, the social ecosystem, it is bad for business. And Cuba is doing a thing and they have some resources that we and the rest of the world could benefit from. But the United States of America wants to continue to play games. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the show, my favorite part. But before we get to our viewer comments, we want to remind you, please phone a friend, send them a text message or a message in a bottle and tell them to tune in to Unbossed on weekdays, Monday, Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. PST Pacific Time. Do that for us, share the love, have people join you on this journey with us. And we have an exciting documentary coming out to close out our 20th anniversary celebration this year. We've made a documentary, it's called We Move Generations. And it gives a never before behind the scenes reflections on what it took for TYT to be born. And you're gonna see reflections from Anna, from Jink, from John, from JR. And they're gonna give us an inside look about TYT from the past and the present. Might even get a sneak preview about what's gonna happen in the future. So please sign up, become a member so that you can see that wonderful documentary. It is available, just go to tyt.com slash join. And Turks and Jerks, we're approaching the end of the year. Join Jink, Anna, Brett, Dave Schuster, and the and the crown to crown the ultimate Turks and Jerk of the year. Tune in as we discuss the best and the worst people of 2022. You should make your own list up too and then compare it to their list and see how you guys mesh. So watch on Thursday, December the 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time on TYT.com live on YouTube. You definitely do not wanna miss that. And on to our magnificent viewers. We're gonna start with our TYT members, Nikki. Until they pass an audit, the Defense Department should not be funded. They refuse to let the people know where the billions of our tax dollars have mysteriously disappeared to. We both, Jessica and I both agree with you on that. Twitch, Luminous, Oh, I like that, Luminous, yay. Monday with Nina and Jessica always makes the start of the week better and brighter. Thanks for all you do. Thank you Luminous for tuning in with us and that, that's beautiful. Just even seeing Luminous, something that gives me a different vibe. Thank you Luminous. That's on Twitch and on YouTube Super Chat, Judith, they increase the defense budget because the money eventually comes back to the politicians in, in a roundabout ways. So it is all for themselves and the super rich owner donors. You know what Judith said that right, it does always come back to them. We appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for tuning in to Unbossed. Don't forget to spread the message about this show and thank you for what you do to help us remain independent. Media news source. It's only Monday, but I'm signed deeply already and having to ask WTF Neil Lim. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema. Miss Cinema. No. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Today's neoliberal question is the United States Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona. Check out this tweet from the secretary. Every student should have access to an education that aligns with industry demands and 
I just cannot believe it. He balls to meet the demands of tomorrow's global workforce. In other words, have your kids do what the business industry wants. Nothing that they love, nothing that edifies and lifts. It is only what the corporatists want. That's pretty much what the Secretary of Education is saying. And this is a big no, Mr. Secretary. And foremost, every student should have access to education and the type of access to education that aligns with their learning and their growth and things that edify them, not just corporations. Every student should have that. And so the nerve of the education secretary to put out such a tweet, I had to take a double take, a double read because I did not believe that that was coming from the secretary of education. It definitely reeks of corporatism. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. And while the Congress was happily passing a record $858 billion defense budget, why couldn't they have brought that same energy, that same fire, that same commitment, that same love to increase federal funding for education? That's what the education secretary, that's what he needs to be about. Not trying to get children to focus on what corporations want. So the fiscal year of 2023 budget released in March will provide 88.3 billion for the US Department of Education, including 36.5 billion for Title I schools, which support students from low income communities. It also seeks 16.3 billion for students with disabilities. The spending plan devotes 1 billion to provide more school based mental health professionals, including school counselors nurses, school psychologists, and social workers. 36.5 billion for Title I, 88.3 billion overall compared to a $358 billion military budget. Jessica, it's hard for me to keep my cool. Yeah, it's really annoying when someone who's spent their life and their career in the education field still sees this kind of spending for education as a one-time expense with no return. Spending on education is an investment and it's a smart economic investment when you're training a workforce to do things that they want to do, that they're good at doing. Not just things that you can learn in in regular public schools, but also when you go on to higher education and have publicly funded colleges and universities, but also trade schools. If there's something you know kids want to do there, it's not about you know training someone up to be useful to the current bosses and the corporate workforce in the United States. It's, hey, what do we need to get done as a humanity, as a society? And when you invest in training people up to go on to do certain things, you're investing in the productive capacity of your economy and eventually you'll be able to create and produce more. It's not like it's this expense and it's the kind of spending that will lead to things like inflation. If you say we forgive student loan debt or make college free, that's not how that works. When you're increasing the productive capacity of the economy, it's always a worthwhile investment. Not to mention this guy is the guy that has the power to forgive student loan debt. And we shouldn't really say forgive, we should say cancel, because really the people that are getting forgiven are the banks for screwing over all of the students in the schools with these predatory loans. Yeah, isn't that the case? And there is a memo that the Biden administration slow rolled because they didn't want us to know the answer to what you just pointed out, which is this president, along with this secretary can cancel all student debt in the United States of America. It is within their power because 1965 Education Act gives them that power to do that. Now the budget proposal came less than a month and I'm talking about the education budget. After Congress approved spending a spending plan that provided 42.6 billion for K-12 schools for the remainder of the fiscal year, 
an increase of $2 billion from the past year with extra funding for schools serving students living in poverty. But again, all of that is a drop in the bucket when you compare that spending to what is being spent on the Pentagon budget. Let's not ever lose sight of that. Congress gave Biden $45 billion more than what he had asked for in that defense budget. And instead of viewing students as an asset for corporations to exploit, you should invest in them and invest in their future because investing in them is also investing in the future of the United States of America. Collectively, we all rise. When our children are edified and educated and lifted. This is not just one individual, one community, it is each and every one of us. But they're even willing to run the risk of children going hungry at school. Put this headline up, schools will stop serving free lunch to all students. A pandemic solution left out of a new federal spending package. So you wanna talk about cruel and you wanna talk about immoral. This is immoral as hell in heaven, both. It really is, and I do not understand for the life of me how these people sleep at night. This education secretary, again, just as the Congress members who believe that student, every student should have a good meal in school, they should be running and jumping and screaming in the streets. But oh no, this man is saying, oh, let's groom these children to be an asset for corporations. But back to Cardona's tweet and what he said. Check out, check this out. Really quickly, naked capitalism slash our schools, how corporations use public school workforce pipelines to harvest student data and train narrowly skilled, exploitable staff. That is what they're doing. So businesses are naturally attracted to public education because students are a source to meet their future labor demands. And schools can be places to inculcate students and families to become loyal customers. And you know, we're not saying you shouldn't do anything. You know, we need more doctors and nurses, which we do. We have a nurse shortage in this country, for example. That doesn't mean that you don't talk to students about what the possibilities are in their lives to go into the medical profession. But what this does mean is that you don't simply look at children as widgets to fill some need of corporate America. You look at it in a very holistic way. We are failing, we are failing, we are failing. Mr. Secretary, you need to go back to the classroom, baby, because you didn't get this lesson right. Delete that tweet and put out another tweet about lifting and edifying the children of this nation and doing what is in their best interest. Baby, you gotta go back to school. You get a big fat F on that tweet, a F plus, plus, plus. Suicide rates among black men are increasing, unfortunately. And we know that the holiday season is among us. There's a lot of depression during the holiday season. I know people take Christmas time, you know, from Thanksgiving to New Year's as festive. And in many ways it can be, but the opposite of that are the opposite feelings of that can be people feeling suicidal or just feeling desperate and or depressed because they can't keep the pace and meet the needs of the commercialism that we push during the Christmas holiday. So this is a reminder to check on your loved ones, check on your friends and your frenemies when it comes to this. Because every smiling face does not mean that people are doing okay. And this is a tough topic for many people because depression and suicide, they're not always visible. So let's get into this. I wanna put up this headline, no way out. Black male suicides rising faster than any other racial groups. And we don't often talk about suicide when it comes to black men, to black people, but especially black men. 
And I'm really glad that folks are writing these stories to educate us, to make all of us aware so that we can do better on checking on one another. Researchers are sounding the alarm about the number of young black men who are dying by suicide. From from the 26 year old son of award winning actress and director Regina King, the young mayor of Newark, New Jersey. Some in the African American community are speaking out to raise more awareness about suicide and mental health, especially when it comes to black men. Suicide rates among black Americans has risen over the past decade. Let's put up this graph and you can see it is definitely not going in the direction that we would want it to go in. Most recently, the death by suicide of Stephen Twitch Boss is yet another reminder, as what I said earlier, that every smiling face is not happy. And so we see this headline, Stephen Twitch Boss left suicide note alluding to past challenges. And this is within a report. And Stephen Twitch Boss reportedly left behind a suicide note that alluded to his past challenges. Law enforcement sources told TMZ that police discovered his message, which contained vague references to issues he had been dealing with at the scene of his death. Life is hard for so many. It is unclear going on. It is unclear what exactly his challenges were, though sources told the Post that there is no truth to any claims Boss had lost his life savings. The Los Angeles County Medical Examiner confirmed this week that Boss had died by a self-inflected gunshot wound. Stephen Boss was only 40 years old. Now in light of Boss, Boss's death, Tyler Perry, the award-winning actor, director, we all know his character, my dear, he shared his story of suicide, of attempted suicide, and encourage others to seek help help if they are feeling suicidal. Tyler Perry recalls his own suicidal attempts after Stephen Twitch Boss death. And Perry reflected on the dark times in his life that caused him to attempt suicide in an emotional tribute to Stephen Twitch Boss. Watch this. I like the rest of the world, I'm shocked by the death of Stephen Boss, Twitch. And it prompted me to come on to talk to any of you who are going through um, hard times, struggling. I didn't, I, I've only met him a couple of times. He was always full of life and seemed like such a light. But with that said, I just want to take you back to a time in my life where I tried to commit suicide a couple of times um, because it was so dark. I didn't think it would get any better. I had endured so much pain, so much abuse, sexual abuse. It, it, it was all so hard to just move through that I thought the only way to make this better, this pain go away is to end my life. Had any of those attempts happened, I would have missed the best part of my life. Many thanks to Tyler Perry for sharing that story with all of us and also lifting people and encouraging them. Thank him so very much. I'm sure that what he had to share helped a lot of people. So again, if you just check on your check on your loved ones, dig deep. If anybody in your family or within your circle think they're feeling that way, help them to get the help. So while rates of suicide and anxiety have risen sharply during the pandemic, and that should definitely come to no surprise to any of us, 
A recent study from the journal JAMA finds that suicide attempts were rising at an alarming rate long before COVID-19. The study found that black males had the highest increase in suicide attempts compared to any other rates in the group. For example, increasing nearly 80%. Somebody's at a point of taking their lives or taking their own life. That means they have exhausted all possibility. It is a state of desperation. And no one, and I mean no one should have to feel that way, but we see many, many people are feeling that way with the added pressures of life. It can be lonely, very depressing. Jessica, this is a sad story here, but it's one that I felt that we needed to share with our viewers so people are looking out for one another. I know we're talking about black men, but my mom often got depressed. She died at the young age of 42 years old, but she was often depressed around this time of the year. And I know so many other people feel the same way, and that's why we got to look out for one. Yeah, and stress and depression are also, you know, health conditions that lead to other kinds of sicknesses that lead to to early death, even if it's not suicide. And so the kinds of conditions that we're put under in our society in the United States, struggling to survive, living paycheck to paycheck, that puts us under tremendous stress. Uh, and you know that leads to people dying early, and it leads to suicides. And the position of black men in society, in particular. Uh, is a really difficult one when you're put in a patriarchal society, when you're expected to be someone who is providing for people and then your community has been stripped of economic opportunities. And not only that, you're also criminalized more than anyone else in the United States of America. That's an incredibly difficult position to be put in. And this is not just anecdotal. I mean, it's evidenced in the data that 90.6% of our prison population is male. Black Americans are put into prison five times that of white Americans. And also when we think about unemployment rates, the white unemployment rate being 4.7%, the black unemployment rate being 8.6%. I mean, the data is all there to show that there's a correlation here between systemic inequalities and people not doing so well when it comes to health and mental health. Yeah, it is. It is definitely a sad, sad commentary. So to the black men out there, I want you to know that you are loved. We're gonna keep pushing to make this world a better place. It is unequal. There is no equity in this country and we gotta change that. So we're lifting you up today. And by extension, anybody feeling that way. So again, each and every one of us can help somebody. Just know, again, that every smiling face is not happy. This really is a sad story, but I'm glad that we brought it to the fore. We'll be right back after this. We got a, I don't need a fire extinguisher. Now I need to reflect. We'll be back. Welcome back to the show. Jessica is gonna share some of our viewer comments. We've got some good ones. I agree with this one. Tuffy said, Nina Turner for president. Thank you for your great thinking topics, receipts, and humanity on your show. I like that one. Then we've got Chipmunk says, when are they going to learn that encouraging subjects like music, art, etc. helps improve their math and other skills that will help them in the workforce? Yeah. The curriculum is a mess in the United States public schools. And then we've got Jorgen says, Nina is a goddess for me. I love what she stands for. Humankind needs strong people like Nina. Agreed. 
Oh, thank you, Jorgen, and thanks to everyone who shared their comments with Jessica and I. We really do appreciate you on Unboss, and we especially appreciate you on the TYT network. We can do what we do without people like you, so thank you so very much. The GOP steals progressive talking points, yes they do. They are thieves, not just in the night, the daytime too. The GOP use progressive talking points, but not follow through on progressive policies. Check out this tweet from the GOP, 60% of workers report living paycheck to paycheck. No shit, Sherlock. We, we know this, but you just wake up and find that out. It's been a reality for a very long time, it's real. But anyway, they, they want a cheap thrill. They don't want to solve the conundrum, they just want a cheap thrill. So the GOP has a lot of nerve. And although what they stated in that tweet is in fact a fact, they got some nerve. Because they are not doing anything to ameliorate the suffering that the American people are facing, not doing anything. My stunt double did clap back though in a very profound way. Let's put her up and see what she had to say. And what's your plan? Expanding the child tax credit? No. Universal health care? No. Universal basic income? No. Canceling student debt? No. Canceling medical debt? No. Supporting unions? No. Raising the minimum wage, hell no. Well, I had to add that in. Stop acting like y'all about are about helping the working class. In other words, stop being pretenders. Because if you really cared about the people, all of those things that my stunt double enumerated, you would get on them right away. You wouldn't even go on Christmas break without dealing with those things right then and there before you go home and cut your turkey and your ham. You would deal with that, but no, it's, it's, it's not real. And so we know with great surety that the GOP does not care about the working class. They've had many opportunities as laid out by my stunt double to do the right thing and they have refused to do it. It is crystal clear that they do not care. They are pretenders, they're co-opting the talking points of the progressive movement because neoliberals have not done enough to change the material conditions of people in this country. So they can throw out tweets like this and people will believe that they actually care. Because guess what, two things, more than one thing can be true at the same time. That tweet put out by the GOP is factually correct. But what they left out is that they're part of the problem. They're not gonna do anything to solve the problem even though it is within their power along with the Democrats to do so. I guess I, I should be surprised, but I'm not. They really do have a whole lot of nerve. You know, I quote grandma often, and this one quote just keeps sticking in my mind. More nerve than a brass A monkey. That's what she would say right now. I love it so much. <laughs> They're so good. Uh, yeah, someone said that I think the GOP is tweeting this uh, because these are low numbers. They're like, man, these are rookie numbers. Let's get these numbers up. More tax breaks for the rich. This is ridiculous. And I think, you know, 60% sounds low to me when I think about the people that I know. Uh, and it's definitely the case that the majority remaining 40%, those folks are living month to month or That's just right. the very next paycheck. Uh, this is so true for people across the United States of America. And for some reason, the GOP, uh, their base thinks that just tweeting about stuff, just talking about stuff 
is the equivalent of doing something about it instead of voting for people who I don't know, capitalize on your your hatred or your fear and they fight these culture wars. You should be voting for people who govern on your behalf, who pass policies that will actually regulate some of the corporations that are exploiting your labor. Data shows that they're spending a much smaller fraction of their total revenue on labor than ever before. That means that they're not raising wages proportionally to the amount of work you're doing, to what you're producing, to their productivity. They're literally robbing you and the GOP is letting it happen and creating policies that reinforce the type of economic system that allows that to happen. And these are not the people you should be voting for. Not at all. Definitely letting the fox guard the hen house or the wolf guard the hen house, it's it's horrible. But there we are, GOP. WTH for the GOP. Starbucks workers are continuing their unionizing efforts. This is a beautiful thing. We love to see it. Watch this. This particular store is Howard Schultz's home store, so we're hoping that that message comes across clear to him too, that we're not gonna tolerate union busting. We will not tolerate union busting, love to see it. This was happening all over the country. And as you know, yours truly has stood side by side with Starbucks workers in many a city, not just my hometown, but also in New York. I went past a couple of places this weekend while I was in LA, really so tremendous. Tremendously proud to see those workers get out there and fight for better wages, better work conditions, and a better uh, better pay. So those were indeed the Starbucks workers doing their thing, taking it to the streets. Starbucks workers began a three-day walkout at 100 U.S. stores, and good for them. More than 1,000 baristas at 100 stores are planning to walk out or did walk out, according to Starbucks Workers United. The labor group organizing the effort, the strike will be the longest in the year old unionization campaign. The process has been contentious. According to the National Labor Relations Board, Workers United has filed at least 446 unfair labor practice charges against Starbucks since late last year, including that the company fired labor organizers and refused to bargain. The company, meanwhile, has filed 47 charges against the union, among them allegations that it defied bargaining rules when it recorded sessions and posted the recordings online. What, exposing y'all for threatening workers? Is that what you're suing them for? Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz has been hell-bent on making the lives of workers who are trying to unionize, making their lives an utter hell. Let's put up this headline. Howard Schultz last unions as outside force trying to disrupt Starbucks. You mean the type of disruption that gets people better pay? Is that what you're talking about, Charlie? I'm trying to understand you. Starbucks illegally denied raises to union members, Labor Board says. The National Labor Relations Board is seeking compensation for workers whom it said the company had shortchanged. And this doozy right here, ex-Starbucks manager claims he was told to punish Pro-union staff, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do illegal stuff. Thank God for that, for that manager. So Jessica, the same story. I mean, this this dude just will not do right by his work. 
Yeah, and I mean, the, the workers are unionizing and striking for good reasons. If I were to say someone took away someone else's house, that's violent. If I were to say someone choked somebody else, you'd say that's violent. If I were to say someone starved someone else, that's violent. But when you have the kind of job where you have to work 80 hours, 60 hours per week in order to keep it, you're filling in for extra shifts. And if you don't work those shifts, your house will be taken away. And if you don't work those shifts, you won't be able to put food on the table. And by the way, there's no PPE and you've got to expose yourself to the pandemic or get fired. You could lose your ability to breathe and end up in the hospital. These are the working conditions that motivated Starbucks workers to unionize. And for some reason, the law in the United States has not been able to stop Howard Schultz from union busting. That's a failure of the US government. And all workers can do now is withhold their labor to get a message across. If they stop working, Starbucks stops making money. Really, they're doing the one thing that they can. And so it's really, really sad that we're ignoring basic human rights by not protecting workers' right to unionize right now in the United States. And it's only going to get worse in this next legislative session when we hear more cases before the Supreme Court. And they consider that workers will potentially be financially responsible for losses during strike times. That would be insane. That would be absolutely stripping workers from their right to strike, which is the last thing they have to fight for their basic human rights. That is exactly right. And I think that what this White House has just done in this Congress in reference to rail workers incentivizes the Supreme Court, unfortunately, you know, to, to maybe do what they might do, which I hope that they don't, because as you stated and we all know. The workers being able to withhold their labor is is that's that's the ace card. That is what they have. That is the ultimate power that they have, and this this is really a shame. But Schultz may be feeling the brunt of his action. New penalties for companies that illegally fire workers who unionize. In a big win for labor unions, the National Labor Relations Board ruled on Tuesday to expand the fees and penalties that agencies can collect from employers that illegally terminate workers for labor activism, both union and non-union in a move long sought after by the labor movement. And this is finally some good news for once, beautiful thing. And let's put up this tweet from the one and only Dr. Robert Reich. Solidarity with at SB Workers United went on strike today in protest of the company's refusal to bargain a fair contract. If the CEO of Starbucks can't afford a super yacht with a helicopter pad, he can afford to meet the very reasonable demands of his unionized workers. Bolded, underlined, and underscored. Yes, he could afford to do that. And for our wishbone, yeah, we're getting back to the bones now. Hoping, wishing, and praying. We are going to continue our uplift of the one and only Dr. Robert Reich. Dr. Robert Reich was former labor secretary to. President Bill Clinton, he has a heart for the people. He is an activist, he is an academic, he is an economist, and he is absolutely a truth teller. If you have not seen his documentary, Inequality for All, I encourage you all to watch that documentary. It is one for the ages and he breaks it down. And you know what, speaking of breaking down, nobody breaks down complex topics about economics. The way that Dr. Robert Reich does, he has some of the most exciting vignettes that, that teach us about the economy, what is really driving inflation and other complicated matters, all things economy. 
And he sometimes does them in a very, very funny or satirical way. So Dr. Robert Reich, the ultimate, ultimate teacher. So let's put up this quote from Dr. Robert Reich, which is very fitting with the story that Jessica and I just did about Starbucks workers. The only way to grow the economy in a way that benefits the bottom 90% is to change the structure of the economy at the least. This requires stronger unions and higher minimum wage. Jessica, very perfect into our, our, our show today, Dr. Robert Reich. Yeah, and what's been left out, he dances too. You can see him dance on TikTok. I mean, Senator Turner really wasn't kidding about his videos being fun. You should really watch them. Yeah, he is. He can do it all. I mean, he is absolutely magnificent. And you know what I love, Jessica, and I'm sure that you would agree, is the fact that he is using his enormous power, his enormous cachet, both you know, academic, you know, being a labor secretary, also lauded as one of the best labor secretaries in this country's history. He's using it on behalf of the everyday people of this country. So we owe a debt of gratitude to the one and only Dr. Robert Reich. And yes, as Jessica said, catch him on TikTok cutting the rug or two. Yeah, what's life with without a little dancing? <laughs> it makes us all happy. So glad that you all did the dance with us today. Jessica and I are elated that you decided to dance with us today. We hope you will come back for the rest of the week and keep on dancing here on Unbossed and also on Rebel HQ. And you know what I want you to do about this time. I want you to keep the faith and more importantly, I want you to keep fight until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Idarola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.